way that you, well, I hope you already know it, but if you don't, I want to show it to you in a way you may have never seen before. So the idea of a journey is helping us understand a book in the Bible called the Letter to the Romans. And the concept of this journey is we're here and we need to get there. So the first three chapters of the book help us get past step one. Who says I even want to go, right? Uh, Why even go? Well, the reason is because here is not it. This is not God's intention. And so I had some pictures to show that, like the, the broken road, the situation is, is not good where we are. The, the windblown uh, highways in Colorado that, was, that I was on a couple weeks ago, that, that's not where God intends us to be. He wants us to move us from here to there. We must come to grips with the unacceptable here if we're ever going to move into God's good and acceptable and intended there. Thus, the the bad pictures to help us understand that. But now, it's time to see how amazing it is to get there, to move through the journey on the way there. So you'll notice that the picture has changed significantly. This is beautiful. We want to take this road, and there's things on it that you don't want to miss. Thank you. Getting there is really half the fun. And that's what Romans 3.21 through chapter 6 are all about because the process is part of God's plan. This is God's desire. So it begins by saying who is most important, and we saw that. Sean helped us see that. God does this. It's the who. He has to accomplish this. Then in the next chapter, we saw the, the person, a, a, a rather imperfect example in Abraham, that he can do this, so if he can, we can, as we see that picture of belief in him. But then today, today, wow. On the way there, look at what we get. That's chapter 5 and chapter 6, which we're going to explore over the next few weeks. Today, just the first 11 verses... These are amazing truths that change your life and all of eternity for you. Therefore, Romans chapter 5, verse 1, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint, does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? 
For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more have we been reconciled? How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom we have now received reconciliation. The chapter begins with this word, therefore, since we have been justified through faith. This refers to what's about to come out of what has come before. So that's the part that I was just referring to, chapter 3 and chapter 4. Being justified by God's grace through faith in him, which he did in Jesus Christ in our place, we're declared righteous. In God's courtroom, you are legally declared pure, holy, righteous because of what Christ did. Therefore, Because of all of that, we can have hope and we can have peace. Getting there is half the fun. Look at what we get. These two concepts are not possible if there is no journey. Don't miss it. If there's no journey, if there's no getting from here to there, There is no understanding of hope. And there is no overwhelming reality of peace. It's why he means for us to journey. You see, if God shared love, right? That was the solution to the despicable situation we were in in the first chapters. His response wasn't just judgment. It was sharing love and creating a solution. And then extends forgiveness through Jesus Christ, right? Being justified by him through faith. So if he just shares love and he extends forgiveness and then he just swoops us up into heaven, guess what? You would not know peace. And you would not revel in the deepening experience of hope. I want to show you that this morning. Who wants to live in Italy? Yep, got some. Got them. Amazing place to live. Great. No, no, no. Amazing place to visit. Tough place to do ministry. I could bore you to tears with, and maybe I will, (laughs) uh, secularism, indifference, and downright anger towards anything Christian. They are post-Christian, materialistic, lostness, cynicism, blah, 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 blah. Try and talk to these people about Jesus, and they say, done it, been there, finished, no thanks. But do you know how good the food is? (laughs) It's amazing. And I know, I can exaggerate, trust me. I'm eight years old, My family is traveling back from South Africa where my parents lived. Four children. They decided to take six weeks. I don't know how they did. All I did with two kids is jump back and forth across the pond. All I want to do is get on an airplane and get there. They took six weeks with four kids, 8, 10, 15, and 16, and we traveled through the Holy Land, Lebanon, back before the whole war thing when it was beautiful. We went to Greece, we went to Italy, we went to Austria, Germany, France, Spain, Portugal, and England for six weeks. It was amazing. It was incredible. I mean, I still remember. And what I remember about Italy, my dad had an accident. That was awesome. And so then this person was like, Mamma mia! You know, and I didn't understand it. Now I would. Ooh, boy. So, but we 
this is the other memory I have. We stayed in this place, which I now know is called a pensione. It's this little, you know, guest house that you stay in. And we had dinner when we first got there. My word. It was amazing. I mean, the food was like, okay, so we wanted to see things the next day, but I'm eight years old. All I care about is fun and food. I couldn't wait for dinner. Because was it going to be as good as the night before? Guess what? It was. It was amazing. The food is incredible. All right, I'm eight years old, whatever. How do you really remember, you know, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich is good to an eight-year-old, right? No, no, no. Went back when I was 28. Guess what? Right on. No question. Yes, this is exactly what I remember. And I haven't even gotten into, like, the more relaxed lifestyle and, and... and the World Heritage sites and all the places that I could take you. And then there's Venice. Oh, Venice. You got to see Venice. So I've been back 13 years. I keep telling people, listen, who wants to go to Italy? I'll be your tour guide. Pay my ticket. I'm done. I've already gotten a couple offers out of the first service. So I might have to do this now. I, the place is amazing, right? Where was I going with all of this? Listen. When we think it would be great to just be swept up into God's presence. When we wish for the last words in the Bible, even so, come Lord Jesus, right? We default into this hanging in their approach to life. Intentionally or not, we decide that what happens here is actually meaningless and we pour all our energy into just kind of making it through That can't be, and that's not what God intends to be. God has purpose in all that he does, and that means he has purpose in what is happening right here and now. Like having to live in a difficult place spiritually, on a dark continent, and try and convince people of things they think they've already dismissed. But it also meant altering my palate for life. We still eat that way, and it's awesome, You see, there is good along the way that God doesn't just kind of happenstancely let happen. You know, it's real and it's good and it's meant to be experienced. These verses in Romans 5, 1 to 11, help us understand the good that God wants to accomplish along the way. There are at least two things God doesn't want you to miss. And there are more. You're going to hear about them in the coming weeks. But there are two today you cannot miss. Knowing peace and experiencing hope. And if you don't enter into the journey, you will not and you cannot know these. It is the journey and through the realities of life that offer us the chance to know what true peace and what true hope are. So let me explore them and prove this to you. Peace. Since we have been justified... Okay, that's necessary. God has to do his part first. He has to justify us through Jesus Christ, which we accept by faith. So, if you haven't gone there, forget it. You're creating peace and trying to wish something into reality. But being justified, since we've been justified, because that's true, and if we've placed our faith in that, we have peace with God. I know you're looking at me going, duh. No, no, no. Listen. We have peace with God. Do you get this? 
I've told you that this New Testament concept of peace is the parallel to the Old Testament concept of, of shalom. It's not just like tranquility. It's wholeness, it's completeness, it's well-being. Let me unwrap this some more for you. When they took the Old Testament Hebrew and they translated it into Greek, they translated that word shalom as salvation. It's about reconciling. It's not tranquility in circumstantial um, situations. Like, for example, you, you, know, you have a really busy year and it's tough and you slug it through because you're looking forward to the summer and you go on vacation and you end up at the shore, you end up at a lake and you're sitting there going, it's peaceful. It's not that. This is a relational term. It has to do with people. That's how it's used. It is calm in the midst of a storm. Something relationally is wrong and yet a relationship has made, been made right. The next phrase will help us with this. We have gained access by faith into his grace. There's something going on here, and it continues, but what changes is our place in that. It's a change of identity from enemy to a member of the opposing king's family. Peace with God. The other time that that term with God is used is in John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. You see, there's perfect harmony between a father and a son. You have peace with God, this relational term of, of perfect harmony with God. Colossians 1.20 says Christ made peace through his blood on the cross and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or in heaven, making peace through his blood shed on the cross. He, um, Ephesians 2.14 tells us that he himself is our peace. And this gained access, we have gained access into this grace That word can also mean approach or introduction. So we are brought into his presence and introduced as one that belongs to him. And the grace in which we now stand speaks of every spiritual blessing we have in Christ as co-heirs with him. So listen. It's having been an enemy with God, then discovering while you're battling against God, he ended the war, but not just because he stopped the fighting. He made you a child of his and an heir that he offers everything because you belong to him. You're one of his own. While the battle may still rage, you find yourself in his presence, under his protection, and resting in the safety of the one who will win the war. Here's the implication. Whether you knew it or not, you were at war with God. Did you know you were at war with God? It doesn't matter. He fixed it before you even realized it. You see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for this. You didn't even know you're at war with God. And yet Christ died for you. And in doing so, He changed everything. 
You didn't make peace with God as if you sat down at some round table and arbitrated a truce or a truce or, a, or an, an armistice. And, and, and aren't you good because you kind of figured out how to kind of compromise something and come to peace with God? God snatched you out from enemy lines and planted you way back in his very presence in his place to the the wonder of not just being on his side but being an heir to his kingdom do you see that I'm a little wound up because it's crazy good talk about getting there is half the fun how could it get any better than that you can't negotiate peace with God He purchases it with the blood of his son. Then he takes you and says, why don't you hang out in a prisoner war camp for a while until you pay penance to me? No. He says, you're my child. When I see you, I see Christ Jesus in you. And you're my child. That is peace. You aren't just safe. You're his. We Northeasterners here, we don't talk about the war. Do you know what the war is? I didn't know what the war was. I thought I knew what the war was. Um, I went to school in the South, went to college in the South. And I got down there, and I got to know all these Southerners, and they were talking about the war. Now, the only war I really knew was World War II. I mean, I'm not that old. I know I look like it, but I'm not. So, but my dad was the youngest son of a widow, so he never went to war. His two older brothers had to serve. My dad ended up being a very patriotic man, and I think the reason was because he didn't have to serve, and he was incredibly grateful for those who did and for his brothers who did. So I grew up watching war movies with my dad. I loved it, you know, Battle of the Bulge and uh, A Bridge Too Far and uh, The Guns of Navarone. Some of you guys remember some of these movies, right? Family classics on Sunday afternoon. I, you know, so my dad was really... So when I get down to this school, they start talking about the war. I probably said something stupid about, you know, hey, have you seen the Battle of the Bulge? You know, and they were like, they informed me. You know what the war is, right? That's it. It's the war of northern aggression. That's what that war is. And they're still fighting it. So when I'm in Brooklyn many, many years ago, right into ministry, I worked with a man who was from North Carolina. And he had come north of the Mason-Dixon line. And he knew all about and used to talk to me about the war of northern aggression. In fact, he had a son named Robert, and I tried calling Robert Bobby or something once, and he stopped me. He said, "Uh, excuse me, it's Robert, as in E. Lee. Okay, so, I mean, this was a big deal for him. Until a day, he was preaching, and he came up on this concept of peace with God. This being snatched out of enemy territory and brought not only to God's side, but to be called his child. So, so you know what he did? 
He's like, do you get this? He moved from down there. He moved up here. He's never left. He's still here. He lives in Long Island to this day. He is a, should be a baptized Northeasterner. You know what he says? We won! Yeah! He'd spent his whole life as a loser in the South. Sorry for anybody from the South. He's a winner! Because he now is one of, one of us. He's an honorary, honorary Yankee. And he won. You see my point? You aren't just safe like God called a truce. You're his. And you wouldn't know that if you weren't snatched from the war. You see why the journey's so important? You wouldn't know the reality of peace with God if you don't get that you were an enemy of his and that you've walked that path in enemy and enemy and against God. We have gained peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. So this is what peace means. Peace means rest in who you are and the one who got you there. Because it's amazing. You see how good it is? Getting there is half the fun because you need to realize what you've got in Christ Jesus. A God who has made peace through his blood in Christ Jesus. For you, that's amazing. And that's his peace. How about a little hope? Then there's hope. Hope, by its very definition is the anticipation of all the good that is to come. So it's used this way all through Scripture about things that we wait for, that we hope in. The resurrection, the fulfillment of God's promises, righteousness, full, complete salvation, Christ's return, His calling on our lives, and eternal life with Him in glory. So that means that the very struggle of the present deepens and grows our hope in what is yet to come. Verses 9 and 10. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath? That's what's out there in the future. Saved from it. Don't have to deal with it. For if, we were, if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? The very process of the journey is what helps us experience the depth of the hope that we have. And precisely through the sufferings. Verse 3, we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Suffering is a part of the definition of a believer and it leads us to hope. Philippians 3, Paul writes, I want to know Christ. Yes, I want to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, being like him in his death. I, I want to get all of it. Don't let me miss anything. So Paul's saying, early believers defined themselves by their suffering. In Acts chapter 5, 
They considered it a privilege to suffer. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for his name. They, they were like, yes, I got to taste that too. And then verse 5, well, the, 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 the struggle is part of the journey and it's part of what defines us. The struggle is part of the journey and it's part of what develops us. And hope is enriched in the journey and actually brings glory to God as he brings us through it. Verse 5. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So there's two elements that make hope what it is. God's love poured out into our hearts and then the Holy Spirit who gives that love to us through the Father residing within us. Listen to this commentary. The Holy Spirit produces in the believer an immediate and overflowing consciousness that he, the Holy Spirit helps us understand that we are the object of God's redeeming love. He tells us that. And that this is the guarantee that this hope will not disappoint. A subjective desire, a hope, is supported by an objective divine gift guaranteeing the realization of eternal fellowship with God. In other words, hope is not some kind of wish that maybe it'll happen. It's the desire that God gives us guaranteeing us that someday this will all pass. And in the process, our understanding of hope just deepens and grows. Hope means that you taste where you are and the one who is with you in it. The difficulties that we face only enrich our anticipation and the hope of what's to come. And God's presence with us through it is the guarantee that this will not last forever. I think the people that have most hope are the ones that, that know the depth of pain and struggle in the here and now. So speaking of my father, he had a very rare form of cancer when I was a young boy, and uh, they did radical surgery to uh, take care of that. He lived another 23 and a half years, but he lived those years with a tremendous amount of pain as a result of the surgery. Most people didn't know that. He still fulfilled all of his responsibilities. He was a, a leader of a large mission organization. He traveled the world. He, he, no, most people didn't know, but we as a family knew the kind of pain, spasms, and different kinds of real sharp pain that he lived with as a result of that. So I knew that. I always admired it because he, he dealt with it so uh, remarkably. But he would, and the farther it went along, the more he would talk about his great anticipation of what was yet to come. And that someday he wouldn't be in that frail body. He'd have a glorified body, and he wouldn't have pain anymore. Now, I kind of got it, but I was young and healthy, and I don't think I really did get it. I didn't think a lot about the relief that heaven was going to bring. Now, I haven't suffered any kind of pain like my father, but I keep getting reminded around here I'm old, and so, you know, I... I know a little more of the reality that I can't wait for certain things to be over with, right? And that, as I said before, isn't, it, it isn't what God wants us to do. It's just hope it's over. He wants us to see 
the depth of the great hope in what is yet to come and the present that we walk through, the realities and the difficulties that we're in are the very things that deepen that understanding. So taste them. Peace means rest in who you are and the one who got you there. And hope means taste right where you are and the one who is with you in it. If you're in our directory, you get a birthday card and an anniversary card from me. So if you want to get that, make sure you get in the directory the next time we do it, okay? But everybody gets one of those from me. And um, so I want you to notice now, next time you'll be watching for it this time, right? But on most cards, so I wrote a few this week, and, and so if you get one this week and it isn't on there, I'm sorry. All right, but most of the time, I write Psalm 34.8 on the card, just the reference. I want you to go look it up. This is what it says. Taste and see that the Lord is good. That the Lord is good. Blessed are those who take refuge in him. Taste it here. Don't miss it. You've got to see what God's doing here and now to deepen your hope in all that is going to come for those who put their trust in him. If God just shared love and extended forgiveness and then swept us up into his presence, you would not know the reality of peace and you would not be able to revel in the deepening experience of hope that he wants to build through the life that you're living right now. Getting there really is half the fun. Look at what we get. We get to know peace and experience hope that we wouldn't otherwise. So, stop pray and obey. That's what we're calling ourselves to in this, these days leading up to our celebration of God's resurrection, this period of Lent. I want you to stop and pray and obey. How does that apply to this? Can you make the most of the journey that you're on? Don't miss what he's trying to teach you as you journey. You're not just hanging in there until Jesus comes back. Oh, believe me, I want to see it tomorrow too, but But in the meantime, there's something very purposeful happening that he wants you to experience. So stop, fast, one day a week. Create the space. Whatever that fast definition is for you, I'm not trying to let you off the hook. I'm just not trying to define what it has to be. Create some space for God. Make some room. And maybe you need to reflect in that space that you create on what God's doing. Stop kind of hanging in there and look for God's purpose in the here and now and ask him to teach you about it. Trust him in his promise to be present when you feel like you're alone. He knows. He's there. He's poured his love out into our hearts through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Talk to him about it. Then pray. Pray for one person who needs to hear from God. Maybe as you reflect on your own journey, you'll start to be a little bit more sensitive towards others who are on their journey. And you'll know how to pray for them better. And then start sharing this love and extending forgiveness and helping them find the purpose in their lives and offering them hope as a fellow pilgrim who's as imperfect as they are. And then obey. Obey what God says as you pray. Act on what you know of his peace. Really. As you reflect on that, 
Thank him that he didn't call you to some table to strike a truce. But then without you even knowing, he went and bought it for you. And he puts you in his family. He says, you're mine. Be at peace. Act on that. What does that look like as you live out your life with other people around you? Would you want to share with them the same thing that God shared with you? And then, I'm not going to let you off the hook on this one either. Grab your card. These are still available if you're missing one. And memorize the verses around the edge. Those are the verses that anchor these four concepts of love, forgiveness, purpose, and hope. And we've shortened them. They're not long. They're, you can do this. The reason you want to memorize those is because as you share, people need to know where that's anchored. It's anchored in God's holy word. And it's true and it's verifiable. It's not just some crazy idea you dreamt up. It's found in the Bible and they can trust it. And you need to be able to share with them where that is so that they can see it for themselves. Isn't it good to be on a journey? Oh, it's not easy. God never promised it would be. But it's rich. Let's make the most of it. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for all the amazing things that you do. And just getting a glimpse of these two concepts today is just mind-blowing. I pray that you'd help us to as we create the space for you in these days, as we stop, would you deepen our understanding of your peace? Would you deepen our experience of hope even in the difficulties that we face? And some, some here are facing some very difficult things. All of us have our struggles. Use them for your purposes as we're along the way. And in doing so, would you, would you transform us? Would you change us? Would you change our characters through perseverance that we would overflow with hope and influence those around us because of what you've done. To you be the glory as you work in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen.